Well, I'm so glad to be back here at Church of the Island. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Alan, and it's uh, my joy to be one of the pastors here at Church of the Island. And I've kind of delayed of me coming to preach, waiting on you guys to get the fans installed. <laughs> and so what we're going to do in a few minutes, we're going to do two things. Number one, I'm going to preach on hell. And number two, we're going to pass the offering again so that next Sunday we can have the fans up. Amen. Amen. All right, you think I'm kidding. Ushers, get ready here in just a few minutes. We are, in fact, tonight concluding our teaching series that we've had this month called Paradox. A paradox is something in which when you see it or when you hear it, uh, it seems to be a contradiction. It, it, it doesn't make much sense. But then upon closer examination, it actually begins to make sense, and you may see something in a way that you've not seen it before. In fact, maybe even gain some insight, maybe even some wisdom. And the reason you and I are thinking about that this month is because the statements of Jesus, there are several statements that Jesus made that are, in fact, paradoxical. In fact, when Jesus first made these statements, the followers, the disciples, they were, they were puzzled. They, they certainly mum, uh, murmured among themselves, this, that's a contradiction. That doesn't make any sense. And either they began to think about it longer or oftentimes Jesus would explain it and they would see it in a way they've not seen it before and they would gain wisdom and insight. In fact, their faith would become stronger. And over the last several weeks, we've looked at some of these paradoxical statements in which Jesus would, in fact, say, losing is gaining. Weakness is, in fact, strength. And so tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this last statement that uh, of Jesus made, paradoxical statement. Jesus said this, the last shall be first. And the first shall be what? Last. Take your Bible. Find Matthew's gospel, chapter number 19. Matthew chapter number 19. Have you noticed that our culture is obsessed with this thing of ranking? We, we seem obsessed with ranking things. We, we just kind of naturally want to know where things stack up, right? From the greatest to the least, you know, and we see that. We see that all around us. We see this, this ranking that goes on. You probably already know this, but Dolphin Island is ranked number five by that magazine, um, Travel and Leisure, as the number five best place in the United States for a tropical vacation. Um, the state of Alabama is ranked eighth in the best state to retire in. The University of Alabama right now in preseason football is ranked number two. These are things that are important for you to know as we gather tonight. But we do that, don't we? we just, there's, there's something almost innate in us that we want to know where things stack up. Uh, we rank restaurants. We rank movies. We rank books. We rank dishwashers. I mean, we rank everything. It's just part of who we, who we are. What we may also not so much think about, but it's true, is that we also rank people. Uh, David is my this week. We, we may not say that we rank people, but we do. You know that. David, for example, 
is like number four on my friend list. Which is fine. Because, listen, last week he was number seven. So it's, he's working. We joke about that because we don't necessarily point at people and tell them where they rank. But we do rank people. What's fascinating in Scripture is that God does not condemn us in ranking people. In fact, and really what Jesus does is, in fact, Jesus says, listen, as you rank people, you may just want to re-examine or reevaluate how you do it. And that's actually what he says here in Matthew chapter number 19. If you're new to Church of the Island, we stand together for the initial reading of the scripture. And I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to put the, the scripture on the screen. I'm going to read it out loud. You follow along. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 13 then Jesus were, uh, then children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But then Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid hands on them and, and then went away. And as he's traveling, he, behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, well, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, then keep the commandments. And he said to him, well, wh wh which ones? And Jesus said, well, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, I believe, interrupted and said, but uh, Lord, all of these I've kept. What do I still lack? And then Jesus said to them, well, if you would be perfect then... Then go and sell all that you possess and give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's just pause there for a second. The scripture here in Matthew chapter 19 tells us that this man was a young man. Clearly he had great possessions. So he was a wealthy young man. In Luke's account, Gospel of Luke, around chapter 19, it tells us that he was a ruler, that he was in a position of great authority, great power. In fact, we kind of refer to this young man as the rich young ruler. Well, some time went by and Jesus pulled the disciples aside. Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will the rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and he said, well, with this, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And then Peter said in reply, well, see, we've left everything to follow you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, 
You will have followed me. You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or children, or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last what? First. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Jesus is teaching the disciples. He's teaching us, in fact, that we are all, it's just natural in us to, to rank. And we're going to rank people and we're going to rank situations. But what the Lord is teaching us here is that there is a, a worldly system of ranking and then there is a godly system of ranking, and what you and I are to do as followers of Christ are to make those adjustments that we actually rank things in life the way God would have us rank. So let's think about that for a few minutes tonight. Let's first of all think about the world's ranking system. Let's think about that. The Bible tells us that Jesus is traveling along and there is a rich young ruler who approaches Jesus and he asks Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to, to gain heaven? And of course, this interaction, again, the Bible tells us in between the two gospels, Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel, that he was youthful, he was, um, he was wealthy, and he had a position of, of influence, of power. You think about what the world would rank that man. The world would rank that man as certainly maybe even in that region, maybe as number one. Certainly probably in his village, certainly where he was from, certainly among the top. Because he had what the world dictates, what the world says is great and greatest, he had them. He had youthfulness, he had power, he had wealth. What else does the world look at? Well, beauty, youthfulness, athleticism, and this what this man had. And what's fascinating is that Jesus said about him, you know, the world may rank him as number one, but Jesus, in fact, dismissed him. In fact, the disciples would say to themselves, man, this guy has it all. As a matter of fact, there was an understanding in first century Palestine that if you were wealthy, it was because God gave you that wealth that you were blessed by God. In fact, the more wealth you had, the more of God's favorites you were. And so the disciples, when Jesus said to him, uh, dismissed him, and even said, hey, you know, it's very difficult, it's very hard for a rich person to make it to heaven. The Bible says the disciples were astonished. In fact, they said, well, what then must you do to be saved? If that man wasn't saved, he's one of God's favorites, clearly. And Jesus said to the disciples, when the disciples said, man, that young man is among the top. He's among the best. Jesus says, nah, not really. He's among the least. He's among the lowest. I think really what that should really do is it should cause us in our culture today to maybe question some things. Because the way the culture today, the world today pressures us, we pursue those things. We pursue youthfulness. We pursue athleticism. We pursue position and power and prestige and wealth. 
Where do we live? The size of our house, what we drive, how we look. And Jesus said, when it comes to those things and the pursuit of those things, those are not the top. Those are not first. In fact, this young man with his youth and with his power and his wealth, he doesn't even make it to square one. There's this worldly system that God says is really reversed. And when you and I consider the things that we do pursue, pursue, it ought to cause us to stop and maybe pause and reevaluate. So there is a worldly ranking system, but there's also a godly ranking system. The reason you and I read that passage, the two, the two circumstances together, because prior to this encounter with the rich young ruler, the Bible says that there were these moms that were bringing their boys and girls, their children to Jesus. They were, they were bringing them to him that he would, he would lay hands on them and he would bless them and he would pray over them. That's kind of interesting. And it was very interesting for that first century. But the Bible says as they were trying to bring, these moms are trying to, trying to bring these children to Jesus, that the disciples kind of slipped into bouncer mode, right? I mean, they became bodyguards. And they, the Bible says they rebuked the women. They rebuked the moms. No, 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 no. Don't bring them. Don't bother Jesus with your babies. Now, why would they do that? Why, in fact, why would they think that it would bother Jesus with these babies. Well, it's a little bit hard for you and I to understand because in our culture today, we love babies, we love children. I mean, you think about it. We, we actually hold them in high esteem. I mean, there's websites about babies and baby furniture. There's, there's baby car seats. There's baby magazines. There's baby stores. I mean, we just, children, we just, I mean, we just accomplished this whole week, Summer Jam, Many of you volunteered because how precious children are. But again, in first century Palestine, children were among the lowest. They didn't really count. And so therefore, they said to the moms, no, no, he doesn't have time for that. He wouldn't want to be bothered with, with children. They rank low. The disciples rebuked the moms and they were amazed because Jesus rebuked them and said, no, 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 no. Don't hinder the little children from coming to me. In fact, such is, to such is the kingdom of heaven. And this, this astonished the disciples because they're thinking babies and children, they're, they're the lowest. But in actuality, what Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. They rank very, very high. There, there is this worldly system of ranking that we're so used to, but then there is this godly system of ranking. So we, what we do tonight for just a few minutes is we lay these next to each other. Jesus says to those, those little boys and those little girls, don't hinder them. Allow them to come to me. What, what for example, what, what, were the, what, were the, what were those little boys and girls, those babies, what were they bringing to the table? Nothing. They don't have wealth. They don't have prestige. They're wrinkly. They're not even, you know, they might be cute, but they're not like beautiful. But what about the rich young ruler? 
I mean, he is a ruler. He has authority. He has wealth. He has power. His youthfulness. He brings a lot to the table. But Jesus, in fact, dismissed him. And so there's this lesson here about this godly system of ranking. And it baffled the disciples. They are totally, at this point, they're totally confused. They've been rebuked about the children, and they've seen Jesus dismiss this rich, powerful young man. So they, we don't know how much time goes by. I think not too terribly long, but some time goes by when Jesus has the disciples kind of alone. And he begins to say to them, he begins to explain to them in verse number 23. In verse number 23, he says, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, they're astounded. The rich are blessed by God. The rich are God's favorites. What do you mean? What do you mean they're not going to make it to heaven? They, they are, they're the best. So they respond in verse number 20, uh, 25 there. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And well, who then can be saved? And verse number 26 is the greatest verse in this entire passage that we ought to, in fact, really memorize. So, Jesus said to them, with man, this is, in fact, impossible, but with God, all things are what? Possible. In other words, entering God's kingdom is not something that we can do, no matter what we bring to the table. It's something only God can do for us. Let me, in fact, put it another way. The world's ranking system is based on achievement and accomplishment that's the world's ranking system, but God's ranking system is based on grace. Amen? Grace. Those little, uh, well, let's think about the rich man. The, the rich young ruler, he had so much wealth and so much power and so much influence, he couldn't, watch this, he couldn't see his need for grace. But those little children, those little boys and girls, what do they bring? Nothing. What they, what they are in desperate need of is grace. So we think about this world system, we think about God's system, and grace is so key, it's so very important. And what I'm trying to just show you tonight in God's Word is that how we see people and how we see things is not the way God sees them. And some of it is just ingrained within us. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, there was the prophet Samuel. And God comes to Samuel and said, okay, Samuel, it's time for the anointing of the next king of Israel. And so um, it's one of this man, Jesse, it's one of Jesse's sons. And so I want you to go to his house and, uh, and I'm going to show you which one it is. And it's your job as the prophet to anoint the next king. And so uh, Samuel makes the journey to the home of Jesse, and it just so happens. I imagine that, that Samuel thinks it's going to be a pretty easy job, but when he gets to Jesse's house, Jesse tells him he has eight sons. He goes, well, maybe this is going to be a little bit tricky. So he goes, well, bring all the boys in and line them up. And he brings all seven of the boys and, and, and lines them up and and, and you probably have been in a situation, maybe you've entered a restaurant or you've been in a, in a group of people, and sometimes there's just somebody that stands out. Maybe because they're, they're a little bit taller, 
uh, maybe, maybe the way they look, maybe their countenance, maybe there's even like a, a charisma about them, but you, you've been in a situation like that where just somebody kind of just stands out. Well, evidently, Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, stands out. And we're not exactly sure what it was all about him that stood out, but there was something that Samuel, and looking at all those sons, this guy stands out. He actually, in fact, I think Samuel says, man, this guy looks like a king. So he goes to anoint him, and God intervenes, and God says, no, 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 that's not the one. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. That's not the one. You see, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the what? The heart. And of course, he, he looks at all seven of those boys that were in the room. None of them. In fact, Samuel says, well, do you have another son? And Jesse goes, well, the run of the litter, and he's out there manning the fields. Well, go get him and bring him in here. And, of course, that was young David who became the warrior king. There is a way that this world sees people. And the way our culture puts this pressure on us with social media all around us, we have a tendency to rank not the way that God ranks so let's talk about this for a few minutes. What if, what if you and I were to begin to examine and evaluate the way God ranks and we make those adjustments in our lives? What would that look like? And how would that affect our lives? Well, it would affect it in several ways. Let's just talk about a few of them very quickly as we finish up. Let's talk about, I, I really believe that it would affect in this area of, of, uh, of friendships. So often what we do when we explore the, a new friendship, there's certain things that we look for, maybe what they, can, what they can give us, what they can provide for us, what they bring to that relationship. And what I just simply want to say to you that when it comes to friendships, it may be that we're missing out on some deeper, more meaningful friendships if we would start looking at people the way God looks at them rather than the way our culture and maybe even our flesh. In fact, I would venture to say this, is that our friendships would look different. They might have a little bit different colored skin. They may be at a different even stature in life. And so I just would challenge you as you just open yourself up, is just think about, relationships from God's perspective, instead of just being more surface, a little bit more deeper. But not just friendships, but also in, in dating and in marriage. So I'm not a professional counselor, but, but because I'm a pastor and, and I do a lot of counseling, mostly, usually Thursdays are my counseling days, and most all day Thursdays I'm, I'm counseling. And about half the day, if not a little bit more, usually involves marriage counseling. And so often what happens is, is couples have made the mistake is that they met someone because they looked good and they had this quality, that quality, but they didn't really make a good wife or a good husband or a good mother or a good dad. 
And they made a decision to date and then eventually marry based on more surface ranking. One of my favorite passages of scriptures, and we have two sons, and this is a passage that I shared with them when they started approaching those dating years. It's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. I had my sons kind of memorize that verse a little bit. Here's the picture. Let's say you're kind of walking along, and you look down, and there's something shiny in the mud. And you go, oh, my, oh, I wonder what that is. And you reach down into the mud, and, and you realize it is a gold ring. And then as you begin to pull on that gold ring, well, under that mud is a pig. And so what was initially very attractive now is like a lot less attractive because of that gold ring and that pig's snout. So often what we do in our culture is we see people and even what we date, oh man, he looks good. Man, she looks great. See, by the way, this is not just about women. It's just the same with men. So we have to evaluate and question and maybe look at people the way God sees them. So it involves these relationships. It involves uh, friendships and dating and, and marriage. And it also, it also, I think, affects our goals. That so often what we do, especially as we're, as we're younger and as we start moving forward in life, is that we set these life goals. But, but men, oftentimes these goals are, are, are goals that the world would dictate about wealth and leadership and power and influence and position, and we pursue these things. We, 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 we allow the world to set our goals. There was a priest by the name of Henry Newen. He, Henry was a priest that taught at Notre Dame and Harvard and Yale. He had written many books that were bestsellers, sold lots of copies. He was, he was a very successful and very well-known but there was a discontentment in his life. He passed away several years ago, but toward the end, he, he, he quit it all. He left his prestigious position in his writing, and he went to work at an institution where adults lived that had severe mental um, challenges. And for the last 10 years of his life, that's where he worked and spent all of his time. He spent most every day with a man named Adam, who had very severe mental challenges. After spending some time and working at this institution, Henry made this statement. I think it's a, it's a powerful statement. What makes us human is not our mind, but our heart. Not our ability to think, but our ability to love. And so as we ask God to help us to see things the way he sees them, it affects even our goals in life. It affects us in this area of relationships and goals and in this area of salvation. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to go to heaven? And of course, Jesus began to speak to him and and he knew the, the young man's weakness because he says, how about you do this? Why don't you just sell all of your possessions and come and follow me? 
And, and I think that's very interesting what that verse says. The verse says that he walked away, he left sorrowful because he had great wealth. In other words, he was not willing, he could not leave it. Here's the lesson. Listen carefully. Jesus knew that as long as he placed all of his trust in his wealth and in his possessions, he couldn't trust Jesus. The reason Jesus said it's so difficult for the rich to go to heaven is because what are they placing their trust in? My question for you tonight is this. What are you trusting in? When it really is hard and really difficult, what are you trusting in? Last thing, and we're done. I saw this over the weekend in preparing for today. He says to the rich young man, sell your possessions and come follow me. To the little children that the disciples were trying to shoo away, don't hinder them, but allow them to what? To come to me. So what I'm saying to you this night is simply this. I don't know how you view yourself, how you view how you rank. If you, if you in your mind, if you rank high or if you rank low, regardless of how you see that, I would say this to you. Come to Jesus. The, the answer, the answer of regardless of where you rank or what you're facing or what you're dealing with, the answer is this. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Let's pray together for just a moment. I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come, and, and I'm going to ask them to come and, and to lead us in just a, a few minutes of worship. And I'm going to ask Pastor David to come and, and to be available here. And I just want us to, to think about a couple of things. As your head is bowed, your eyes are closed right now, let's just consider a couple of things. Let's take, first of all, how, how do we normally rank people? Could we be honest enough tonight and say, you know, I, I, take, I take much of the world's lead on this. In my friendships, in my relationships, even in my life's goals. How about salvation? What must I do? You see, the rich young ruler was like so many today. They, they think that it's about achievement and about accomplishment. But it's not about that at all. It's about God's grace. It's about trust. It's ultimately about coming to Jesus. I wonder tonight if we would just come to Jesus the front of the stage here, we're, we're hoping that it'll become an altar. There's just something about kneeling, coming and kneeling before the Lord and saying, Lord, you're God and I'm not. And I have some things out of order and Lord, I need you to make that correction in my life. And so Lord, I'm coming, I'm coming before you because I need you to do a fresh work in me a fresh work in my heart and give me a new set of eyes to see the way you see, even to see people differently. 
So in these next moments, I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. The altar is available, and Pastor David's here. Love to pray with you and pray for you. In fact, why don't you go ahead and stand as I just lead us in prayer in these moments. God, we, we come before you tonight acknowledging that so often we act like the world. And we rank situations and we rank people the way the world ranks them. And we actually, even at times, Lord, we actually look at ourselves and we rank ourselves the way the world would rank us. And so, Lord, we ask, first of all, tonight that you would forgive us and change us, change our hearts and change our mindset. And Lord, there may be someone here tonight who thinks that salvation in heaven is about what they do or about what they accomplish. Lord, there may be some here tonight as we think about this team going to Africa. Lord, how our church here at Church of the Island has partnerships not only in Africa, but in Cuba and Puerto Rico. And Lord, the work that we do here on the island to advance the kingdom. And there's some who, who would like to participate, who, who would like to engage, but they're holding, they're holding so tightly to their possessions. Maybe even uh, trusting too much in those things when they need to be trusting you. So tonight, in these next moments, we pray, Lord, at this altar and in our seats that we would come to Jesus to come to the altar. So have your way in these next moments, Lord. Find us obedient to your word and to your calling tonight. In Christ's name.